Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara and Gary Bryce. How's it going? It's going well. And today we are talking sophomore step-ups. That's right, guys that you drafted in the 2019 rookie class that we think will have a nice 2020 year. Guys that may not have performed for you know a different reason or two in the 2019 season that we think could take a step forward in 2020. Everybody's always looking for that, hey, what have you done for me lately, player? And if you didn't perform last year, then they their value drops significantly. And there's no nothing sillier out there in Dynasty than to take a guy that you drafted in the previous year, in the first round or the second round, and just pretty much give up hope on them after their first year in the league. It's an NFL takes time. Not everybody comes out here and, and looks fantastic year one like a Terry McLaurin. It takes time for these guys to develop. And the best value on these first-round picks, and we'll see it for these 2020 players as well, is the following year when everybody gets re-enamored with the rookies. So this is the time to buy. It's always, I think, guys, I think it's the best time to buy the the rookies is their following year because that's where you're always going to get them the cheapest because a lot of guys will take a step forward their sophomore year and then all of a sudden people gets rekindled with that love and that draft capital and they're much harder to get than right now in the summertime right after you had your rookie draft your other rookie draft hasn't come yet then this is the time to pounce on the players that have not done well the previous year because everybody's just looking at those rookies that came in this year and these guys have no time to redeem themselves because the season hasn't started and will not for another 100 days so before we get into these rookies and the guys that we think are sophomore steps ups step ups let's have a word from our sponsor and that's dynastyowner.com do you think you're smarter than an nfl gm do you think you're the best at fantasy football in general well this is your opportunity to prove it with DynastyOwner.com. It's the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for that smart, elite fantasy football player because there is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters. Free agency matters and every contract matters. You can go do a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL players, contracts, and salaries. And then you can improve your team each year like we do in Dynasty with a three-round rookie draft. You can trade some players and you can trade draft picks as well. You also have an opportunity to win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and you can compete in the chase for the ring. They now have the mobile app, which is good for iOS and Android, so check your local app store for that. Get on there. Do some rookie mock drafts, right? They have a great mock draft tool on there. See how you can build the ultimate dynasty team using real NFL salaries. The mock drafts are on open right now. Learn more and mock draft for free by going to dynastyowner.com. So, guys, as we were talking about some of these sophomores here, do you guys agree with that premise about the best time to buy a rookie is not his rookie year, but the following year? So the best time to buy a rookie is when they're not a rookie? Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to let you take that one, Garrett. The best time to buy a rookie is when he's not a rookie anymore, when he's a sophomore. There you go. That should be on a T-shirt. Yes. That's a good shirt. I'd, I'd wear that shirt. You know, it looks like got the Dynasty Nerds logo on there. <laughs> Best time to buy those rookies when they're low longer rookies. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it does it, it does offer a nice buying opportunity. If a guy just had it, I mean, let's face it, more often than not, these guys come out of college. They're not exactly ready for the limelight. There is a little bit of an adjustment uh, period when it comes to the NFL game. So not all these guys get off to this great start. So, yeah. You know, the second you get them, um, everyone's high on their players. Everyone loves their players. Um, that's why they drafted them. But, you know, tw- fast forward 12 months down the road, and they've actually seen these, this person on an NFL field or maybe not on an NFL field as much as they had hoped, 
and, and the value gets depressed. And, and, and I think that's what you're talking about. Rich. Absolutely. Yeah. And as, assuming they're like most of the players we're going to talk about today, guys that, that disappointed. Yes, this is absolutely the best time to buy. Uh, rookie fever is in full effect. Uh, some of the trades that you see go down for the 101, which, you know, we, we've talked about how great we think some of those players that could be taken at 101 are. But they are still rookies. There is still risk for guys that we're hoping turn into the players that they're trading them for. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, in that second year when the hype's died down, uh, unless there's somebody that blew up in their rookie season, it's a great time to try to buy low and, and try to gain a ton of value on that player. Yeah, just because something blows up in the in the begin, beginning in their rookie season doesn't mean what's left behind is not valuable. You know, guys that were taken in the first round, guys that were taken ahead of guys that did really well. And at the same time, there can be guys that came in and did really well their first year that we never see again. I mean, does anybody remember Steve Slayton? Yeah, that's a great one. I, I, I definitely do, yeah, because he was on my team. I remember. <laughs> the former Houston Texans. Dang it, Arian. <laughs> a true one-year wonder. They were, he was awesome. And then yeah, Kelvin Arian Foster came along and wiped yeah. him off the, wiped literally, him off the map. Literally, you, do, you have a phenomenal year, and then you never do anything ever again. Ever again so let's get into some of these sophomore step up players that we like tell you why we like them and what we think they could do here in 2020 my first guy on the list is paris campbell the former second round pick 59th overall in the 2019 draft class this was a guy we had pegged as a first round rookie draft pick in your rookie class last year six foot 205 pounds ran a 4 3 40 he is a blazer and frank wright came out and said he is he's gonna play the slot this year and this is a guy last year hurt right banged up had a sports hernia broken hand broken foot couldn't catch a break only played in three games uh had 127 yards and 18 receptions 24 targets and with him most of we're going to slot this is like where he fits perfectly. This is where he worked out of Ohio State a lot. In 2018, he had the 90 catches for 1,063 yards and 12 touchdowns. He's a really fast, big, sure-handed catcher. And anytime you get a guy who's six foot tall to work out of the slot that has really good hands is always going to be a bonus. You got T.Y. Hilton on the outside. You got rookie Michael Pittman is also an outside receiver and Jack Doyle. So this means that for Paris Hilton coming to the slot, he's going to be the guy who's that savvy route runner for Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers is some of the guys who over these last couple of years has relied heavily on the slot receiver. I mean, look what he did for Keen Allen in LA and San Diego compared to even Mike Williams, who we've been begging to have a big year on the outside, just not as much opportunity. And, for Paris Campbell playing the slot with Philip Rivers, who doesn't have that big arm anymore, gives him a chance to produce. This is where he played mostly in college, played the slot, and he showed that he could do really good things with the ball in his hands. When you hit that four three one speed, I mean, that is a weapon to, in today's NFL. So for me, going to the Colts now, who do run a decent amount, well, an average amount of 11 personnel, say. They ran three wide receiver sets, 50% two percent of their snaps which is again that's about average and for me i'd really like to see if when with michael Pittman being a rookie when they do run the 12 personnel which i think they ran about 30 percent last year will paris campbell still be on the field because if they do and they use him in those two wide receiver sets as well he can really take a big step forward. I know they got Jack Doyle there they brought in Trey Burton so like we we mentioned this many times we feel like that's the trend of the league, right? Where a lot of people are going to melt more 12 personnel sets. And that's why they probably brought in Trey Burton to help a little bit. If he could stay on the field there, this bodes very well for his future in dynasty fantasy football. And with Michael Pittman, you would hope then they bring him around a little bit slower. This is the last year we see of T.Y. Hill in a Colts uniform. And then going forward, you have the Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell show both second rounders and I know Michael Pittman was taken higher than Paris Campbell was both second rounders but with Michael Pitt Pittman being in the second round the, the second pick in the second round we got to remember too last year's class was uh, more defensive players taken and there was a lot more receivers taken this year 
early, which caused the Colts, you know, obviously to make Pike. There was both like, what, around like the eighth or ninth wide receiver taken overall, I guess is the best way to say it. So for me, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about Paris Campbell going forward. A guy who I was really big on going into the 2020 season, I had him as a first rounder in that draft class. And I think his pairing with Phillip Rivers can get him peppered with targets because T.Y. Hilton's game is going downfield. And Paris Phil Rivers just doesn't do that well anymore. So I think the big, biggest beneficiary here is obviously Jack Doyle and second-year receiver Paris Campbell. Yeah, Rich, I really like the take that you that you just presented, and and that was a you know obviously a, a one-sided argument, but it was well argued uh, <laughs> either way. And and the 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 point that I liked most was the fact that Philip Rivers he can't get the ball down the field. You know that's. I think when you watch him, it's just a, it's a struggle for him. It, it, he's shot putting the ball out, so you know it, it's it's going to be especially a, a nice add-on for these running backs, the tight end, and any kind of slot guy that's going to be running a bunch of crossing routes and stuff close to the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what Paris Campbell did well at Ohio State. You know, it's a it's a bummer that he wasn't able to play at all last year, or he barely played at all last year. Um, so we didn't get to really see his explosion, um, you know, at the NFL level, but it's there. You know what I mean? We we saw that in all the all the film study that you know that we had of of him before he came out. Um, that's that's what he does best. He grabs he grabs these little crossers and he, he turns them into big plays with his like you, like you said he's he's a four three guy. You know what I mean? These guys they don't come around that often. But he's not afraid to. He's not afraid to go over the middle. You know what I mean. He's not afraid to do all that kind of dirty work um, on crossing routes and other other things close to the line of scrimmage. So I think it is really a match made in heaven uh, between him and Philip Rivers, um, with you know, with with some of the. I mean, obviously some of the other guys, the Jack Doyles, like you mentioned, and the Naheem Hines, perhaps also getting a little bit of a bump as well. Yeah, and this is somebody. What do you think? What, what do you think? Get for him, Garrett, right now. A mid. You probably get him for a mid second. I think that's probably right around that range, and that's kind of where you have to ask yourself. You know, you're looking at the probably in one QB, the Brandon Ayukes of the world, the um, Brian Edwards. Uh, so that's kind of that range that you're looking at. And so I can understand. Uh, I could kind of go either way on that. I'm not. I think I'm a little bit less of a Campbell guy than you guys, but I think that's a very fair price, and it's definitely worth the upside uh, that he would potentially be, be able to give to you. Um, I'm not a huge Ayuk guy, so I'd probably take Campbell over Ayuk, but I am a big Edwards guy, so I'd probably take Edwards over Campbell. So, but so I think that is about the right range. Yeah, and that's that's right around where you can get him right now. Nobody's going to give up a first round for him. I mean, if if you're sitting there and looking for a quicker development kind of guy, Paris Campbell will be your guy. I would take I, – I like the thing with Brian Edwards. I'd, I'd be okay taking Brian Edwards over Paris Campbell or one or the other. I mean, I'm good with either one there, but I would take Paris Campbell over Brandon Ayuk most of the time the there. there. Yeah, that's I'm going to go that route there. I just like Debo Samuel and George Kittle as a solid you know, one-two there where I think Paris Campbell could be – you know, I like Michael Pittman a ton. I really do, and I'd probably take Michael Pittman over Paris Campbell because he's going to be the outside X receiver. But with Philip Rivers there, which might only be that one year, I can see the Colts making a big splash trying to go get one of these QBs next year by moving up in the draft. Absolutely. The pair with these young wide receivers and this young running back, I can see them going all in for a guy like you know, like Justin Fields or one of these guys, uh, young quarterbacks. So. For now, though, this year, and that's all it takes is one year to really get the mojo going here with Campbell and Frank Wright and be creative in his play calling to make Paris Campbell they, be fantasy relevant. They also did, uh, and I know he ended up going a little later than people uh, thought he would, but Jacob Eason is there too. Um, so they might at some point, depending on how the season goes, if it's not going as they planned, give, give Eason a shot to see if he could end up being the guy. That's that's a very fair point, Garrett, uh, with Easton being there, yeah. Philip Rivers. I think Philip Rivers should be old with that offensive line giving him time. I'm sure Rivers will do just fine in this offense. I think I, they should make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Michael Pittman's good. I mean, Jack Doyle is good enough with to go along with Paris Campbell. Just with and obviously you have Jonathan Taylor there with Marlon Mack For sure. and yep. Naheem Hines to really move that ball down the field and expect I expect Naheem Hines to have a decent year as well, to be honest with you, to yep. come in here and get a lot of dumb yep. off passes. Matt, give me a guy that you think as a sophomore is ready to step up for the 2020 season. All right. It's, yeah. So my first guy is, um, Irv Smith, Jr. Uh, tight end out of Minnesota. 
Um, you know, obviously last year they, they used a, a, a top 50 draft pick on this guy. And it was kind of one of those things where I think people were a little split on him. You know, just was he a tight end? Is he one of these um, H-back type of guys? But, you know, the the news out of, of Minnesota is that they kind of saw a little bit of Jordan Reed in this guy. And, and I think body style-wise, I think you can see that in movement skills and all sorts of stuff. But, um, you know, last year he, he absorbed 36 catches on, on 47 targets for only 311 yards and, and two touchdowns. So it's not like he tore it up by any means. But this was a guy that when Adam Thielen went down, he really kind of stepped in and was able to, I think, fill a little bit of that, you know, slot type of duty that Adam Thielen normally would. Um so you know you look you look into the the metrics a little bit of this guy and and he was only he did all that and he was only on a sixty one point seven percent snap share and and Kyle Rudolph was all all the way up in like the almost eighty three percent so I, I think as as the year goes on here I think I, even last year I think they were trying to phase Kyle Rudolph out they they didn't use him much in the passing game I think most of those snaps were used for blocking early on in the year and then then he kind of started coming around into the passing game a little bit as the season went on as they needed to kind of fill in for guys that were missing but but Irv Smith I see I see a lot of upside in and, um, you know obviously you go back to his his college days and, and he's a guy that caught 44 catches for 710 yards and seven touchdowns in his senior year there at um, Alabama. And and I just, I think they're going to obviously, you know, with, with, with um, Stefan Diggs being moved out, they're going to have to fill that with, uh, uh, I think a combination of Justin Jefferson, the rookie and Irv Smith jr. Getting more opportunities as well. So uh, I expect him to be probably closer to the, you know, 50 catch range for probably 500 600 yards or something like that so uh definitely a guy that i see a, a big uh sophomore step up opportunity you like that garrett yeah i do i'm a big uh i'm a big fan of irv smith and he really uh he really did well once we once he got the opportunity at the end of the year, you could tell he was being targeted more. Uh, he was being used in the offense more. And when you look at a lot of the tight ends from from last year's class, you know we have some pretty big names in, in TJ Hawkinson uh, and Noah Fant. But out of out of all of them, he was the one that kind of seemed to be the most pro ready. Um, he really got everything going uh, exactly like like you would hope. And I know Kyle Rudolph is still there, but with as much as they run uh, two tight end sets, I think he's going to be a part of that offense, uh, a main key of that offense long-term. And I know, Matt, you you mentioned about Adam Thielen and you know, what ends up happening there. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the near future they added another receiver. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up getting the target share similar to a low end wide receiver two on a team uh, in the in the very very near future. So I mean, he could end up with a you know top ten, top twelve just in targets alone um, at the tight end position, and then his his raw athletic ability, uh, his, his chances to do stuff after the catch, I think will all help produce a lot more fantasy points. Yeah, he's a nice buy right now at the tight end position with a lot of upside. Like Matt said, I feel like that Kyle Rudolph contract was kind of like, you know, like uh, here, here you go, Kyle. You know, you've been, you've done really well with the community. Community, the fans love you here. You do produce, and he does help just not at a fancy level. Where Irv Smith could kind of be that fancy relevant tight end, and with the right and 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 Rudolph's gonna be thirty one also um, during this season. So it's. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I think that I mean they were definitely trying to phase him out of the passing game early on in, last season. I just think they they eventually had to get him more involved just because Adam Thielen was down and everything was kind of just falling apart around him. Uh, uh, so Kyle Rudolph ended up getting you know forty nine targets, thirty nine receptions for three hundred sixty seven yards and six touchdowns. But I, I think it was just due to a lack of overall weapons and and. And I think Irv Smith, another year in the system, it's going to do him a lot of good, and and, and he's going to be maybe the guy that they're trying to lean on a little bit more for just more playmaking ability because that's I mean he's a, a much bigger playmaker than than Kyle Rudolph at this stage of his Garrett, career. Garrett, give us give us a guy you think is going to take a step forward here in the twenty twenty season. 
So this one seems a little bit uh, different than most of the other guys we're going to cover. Uh, but I'm sticking true to the title of it. I think this guy takes a big step forward. Thing is, he already took a big step last year. And it was funny because you mentioned him in the open as guys that produced as rookies. But that's Terry McLaurin. Whoa. Here's the thing. I know. I know. <laughs> this tells you how big of a step I think he's going to take. And, and here's my reasoning behind it. So... Terry McLaurin uh, ended up coming in as the 29th ranked receiver uh, last season. Uh, so he was a, a higher mid-end uh, wide receiver three. Granted, part of that time he was he was battling some injuries, missed a couple games here and there, and they had a ton of quarterback uh turmoil there you know all the stuff that uh that happened with with the washington redskins it was it was tough to watch there uh, all the guys that came in and out colt mccoy was starting for a little bit um you know you had uh keenum that was there and then haskins started off really slow and i'm going to get to haskins in a second but haskins started really slow and all of that still he put up really really good numbers like i said mid wide receiver three but here's a couple things that i want to point out we have a new coaching staff there now. Uh, Norv Turner's son, Scott Turner. Uh, and we know Norv Turner, great in the passing game. This is our first time seeing Scott, but if he's anything like his dad, he's going to be looking to get the ball downfield. And that's perfect for uh, a speedster and a good route runner like Terry McLaurin. He's going to flourish in that. On top of that, Washington ran the fewest amount of plays out of any team in the NFL last year. So it tells you how slow they were going and how poor their offense was producing. They just honestly weren't really getting that many plays. Another point, Washington surprisingly actually is vacating 30% of their targets. So almost nine a game of players that they threw the ball to last year are gone. So there's a 30% increase in that. So all of these things put together, and Terry McLaurin did all that on only six and a half targets a game. I imagine that that number, just because they're going to run more plays, he's going to be more comfortable in the offense, assuming he stays healthy, and then all of the vacated targets that are possibly going to be able to, some of those will go to him, obviously not all of them. I think we're going to see an increase in targets and increase in efficiency because there's other players and other weapons around him. Now, I mentioned Dwayne Haskins as part of this as well. I mentioned on an earlier podcast that I that I really liked how Dwayne Haskins finished the season. Everyone was so focused on the first couple weeks, and I get it. You know, the, his first game, he throws three interceptions and only 100 yards. Uh, the next game, he only even gets to play for a little bit, only five attempts, still threw another pick. And at that point, I think people were really frustrated. But over the last three games, he threw five touchdowns and only one interception. Uh, threw for over 250 yards against Philadelphia when Philly's looking to make the playoffs. So he did very, very well at the end of the season. And they did, even though they're young weapons and unproven, we have Darius Geis back. They drafted Antonio Gibson. They drafted Antonio Gandy-Golden. McLaurin gets another year in the offense. On top of that, Kelvin Harmon gets another year in the offense. Steven Sims actually became a fantasy darling for a lot of the DFS guys towards the end of the year just because of how well he was producing. So I think all of these things, and Dwayne Haskins getting a second year in the system. He was a young player, only had one year in college, and he's he was only 22 years old. He was a redshirt sophomore when he came out. So I, I spit a lot of information at you just now. But all of this, to me, points to I'm buying Terry McLaurin. Even though the price is expensive, I think that juice is more than worth the squeeze. And I'm buying low right now on Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins has been one of my favorite super flex buys for a while now um, in late round gets and, and startup drafts because, like you said, it's back to the original title of the show saying, hey, you know, what have you done for me lately? And even at QB, people are like, oh, you haven't done anything for me lately. Dwayne Haskins, you mean to come out year one as a quarterback and just light the league on fire? Then you must be a bum, even though he didn't do much in college within one year. And like you said, for the last half of those last couple of games, Gary, he looked pretty respectable with not a lot of weapons around him. He does have that rapport with Terry McLaurin. Of course, McLaurin looked great last year. And I like your comp to give him that high-end wide receiver two look with occasionally maybe sneaking the low-end wide receiver one, kind of like a Stephon Diggs, essentially, of fantasy football. And I know two out of three of us love Stephon Diggs, so that's a good start there. I was going to say, <laughs> you mean a, a Stephon Diggs, that's actually yeah. good. That's and, and, and Terry McLaren's not a cheap get, but if he can turn into 
that kind of level of player who can give you those kind of consistent numbers over the years, then whatever you pay for him is going to be very fair value. And if you could take that youth and that longevity and just to have the number one guy on an offense, that's always a good thing as well. If somebody's like locked into rookie fever right now, at the back end of the, the first round, you're much better off taking Terry McLaurin, who's already a proven commodity after one year in the NFL. Again, anything can happen. Nobody you know, nobody knows. But, you know, if I had to guess here using some uh, two uh, well-cleaned shiny objects, I would say Terry McLaurin is going to be just <laughs> fine in fantasy football going down down the road here and the foreseeable, foreseeable future. So, I'm all in on Terry McLaurin as well. I, I regret kind of having him in the, in the first round of our, our mock draft and our rankings there all the way through, and at the very end kind of moved him to the high of the second round. I wish we had just kept him where we had him. But that's neither here nor there. I like Terry McLaurin going float forward, and I also like Dwayne Haskins as well. I think it's a really good combination. All the, Everything else around there is just really unproven. Yeah, I like an AGG. I like Kelvin Harmon to be the number two. And with Darius Kyson's injuries, bringing Antonio Gibson, we don't know really know who for sure is going to be that running back there. But we know one thing for sure and one thing for sure only, and that's Terry McLaurin's locked in as their number one offensive weapon. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there. I mean, I think he's a nice player to to take a step forward in year two. I'm just, uh, you know, the asking price on him, like you had mentioned, Rich, is is probably going to be uh, it's going to be a little bit steep already you know what i mean people saw enough out of terry mcclurin that um depending on the owner you might not be able to get this guy you know what i mean so that's that's the one thing the one aspect of this that kind of has me a little bit leery um just 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 do the fact that he he produced so well as a rookie that some some owners are just going to see that and they're going to they're not going to move you know what i mean you you're going to you're going to like try to move earth and and fire and wind and everything towards <laughs> them the to get <laughs> all the elements <laughs> <laughs> to get Terry McLaurin it still it still might not be enough the, so i mean i guess just just be aware of that um that some owners are just they're just not going to move yeah it's going to be sure. it's going to be hard be, so, yeah, there'll be some of those guys that won't be willing to, but kind of the the going rate that I've seen is kind of that mid to late first uh, is what kind of people are asking. And you know, if it's a if it's a super flex league, a mid to late first, you're looking at uh, Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, uh, T Higgins, Henry Ruggs, like all of those guys who I all think are phenomenal players. But I'm taking I'm taking Terry McLaurin over all those guys right now proven yeah the, i mean he's done at the nfl level i yeah i'm, I'm, I'm with you too gary i mean i like jerry judy a lot i think he's a very talented player but we we, we i said it just a couple minutes ago saying that mcclaren's locked in as that number one weapon on that redskins offense the number one receiver when you go out to denver and jerry judy you're looking at jerry judy Cortland sutton noah fant melvin gordon philip Lindsay. these are all besides melvin gordon these are all young guys too it's not like kj hamler yeah, KJ Hamler. So it's not like it's not like oh he's not, you know it's like it's not it's not a short term thing. These guys are all locked in for five four years over the next couple of years. So Jalen Rager, yeah, he's the number one guy out there. Philadelphia Eagles still unproven out there. And as you slowly get on the list, Henry Ruggs got to compete with Brian Edwards, and they got. Hunter Renfro out there too, who could have another kind of. You can kind of count him as a sophomore step up if you want to as well for somebody who's relatively cheap. Is going to be coming out of the slot out there. So for me, I think Terry McLaurin. I'm, I'm with you. I think I'd rather just take Terry McLaurin, and I think you'd easily get somebody caught up in the hype of that one six, one seven, one eight, and that's if you're going to go receiver. Definitely, there's a guy like Cam Akers on the board. Maybe DeAndre Swift fell, and you can get that proven number one receiver. I, I would take Terry McLaurin over those guys as well. That's that's the route I'd go if I wanted a receiver. Definitely, it's it just giving you one year ahead too where you don't have to worry about, okay, will he produce? What will he do? You know right away that you have a number one guy in your offense. Yep. So yep, absolutely. Moving on to my next guy, it's going to be TJ Hawkinson for the Detroit Lions tight end, the former eighth overall pick in the NFL draft. That's draft commodity. Again, a guy who didn't really produce in 2019. He had 32 receptions for 367 yards and two touchdowns in 12 games. And after week one, when he played the Cardinals, he looked like he was the upcoming Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey. He had that game, and he dominated with six receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. 
Unfortunately, after that, the guy didn't have more than 50 <laughs> yards, I think all but one game for the rest of the year, and he only had one more touchdown. He was targeted nine times in that game in week one, and he never saw more than nine targets again, except for week 13 when he saw he had 11 passes uh, get thrown to him. So for me, this is a guy who is going to a team that does not have did not invest a lot of weapons too. You know, they have Marvin Harris, Marvin Jones, who's on his last legs, probably out of Detroit. They got Kenny Galladay, who's up for a contract. But none of these receivers are under contract under this season. None of them. Not one single receiver on this team is under contract next year besides the rookies. And this is also a team that last year, they had 42 pass attempts inside the 10-yard line in 2019. That was the second most in the league behind the Patriots. He also had to deal with backup quarterbacks that weren't very good because Matt Stafford got hurt. And out of all those 42 targets inside the 10-yard line, only four of those went to TJ Hawkinson. The opportunity just wasn't there. They weren't using this guys. And we also have to remember that the tight end takes time to develop. I mean, look at some of these Hall of Fame tight ends. Tony Gonzalez, right? 33 receptions, 368 yards, and two touchdowns, and he played all 16 games as a rookie. Are the great George Kittle had 43 receptions, 515 yards, and two touchdowns as a rookie. And that was actually pretty damn good. Why we were all big on him. Jimmy Graham had 15 games, 31 receptions, 356 yards, five touchdowns. Antonio Gates played in 15 games, 24 receptions, 389 yards, and two touchdowns. So if you see this point, they're all scoring about two touchdowns and they're all right in that 300 yard range, except for George Kittle at 500 yards. So for Hawkinson to come in in just a couple games in his 12 games, have two touchdowns and the, uh, they have 367 yards. He's right in that category, guys. 32 receptions, 367 yards, and two touchdowns. Lines up with all those guys who are all potential Hall of Famers. You know, obviously George Kittle's not there yet, but all those other guys are phenomenal players. Even Travis Kelsey was hurt his first year. They came out with 850 yards the following year. So to think that TJ Hawkinson, just because he didn't put up big numbers last year, is, is a disappointment. All rookie tight ends are a disappointment. All of them. The only reason Gronkowski wasn't even really a disappointment because I think he had low yards too is he had double-digit touchdowns. It's what saved him his rookie year to make him one of the best rookie tight ends to ever come out here. In that eighth overall draft capital, the fact they have no other receivers under contract after going forward and having a healthy Matt Stafford, this is setting him up for success. I think TJ Hawkinson was one of my favorite rookies last year. In tight end premium leagues, I loved him as a top five rookie pick last year. In a startup draft this year, I gave up my 2021 first for TJ Hawkinson in a super flex tight end premium league in a draft where I already liked my team, knowing that I was getting good value and getting a leap on a very good tight end. When he was coming out of Iowa, he looked fantastic. We liked him over Noah Fant. And right now, he's going way after Noah Fant in startups. Again, what have you done for me lately? Hawkinson didn't produce early last year or much at all, but he put up the same kind of numbers that all these great tight ends in the history of the NFL have put up as well. Nobody produces. Hawkinson's ready taking a big step forward here year two. And what's, what I'm really excited for is to get him set up for a massive year in 2021. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think I think the best point that you made was the fact that Matt Stafford's coming back. You know what I mean? This is a rookie that had to struggle through a lot of the season with a backup quarterback. So to be able to put up those kind of numbers, you know, 367 yards on, on 32 receptions, that might actually not be that, you know, when you look at it, that's not really that bad. I mean, those are the same kind of numbers that Irv Smith had just put up. Um, and, and, and he was basically a, a, the second tight end. But TJ Hawkinson has a lot of a lot of room to grow. Uh, you know, this was a guy that, you know, they used a top 10 pick on for a reason. And we saw all those reasons coming out. He can block well. He can, he, he he's a, a fantastic route runner, has nice soft hands. So TJ Hawkinson is going to be a much more involved target in this, this coming season. No doubt in my mind, um, he's going to be in the, in the conversation, for a low end tight end, tight end one, in my opinion, it, it, it's it's the sky is the limit for this guy. I really do love T.J. Hawkinson. Um, it, it's a it's a great opportunity for him to step up. 
Yeah, we're three for three on this one. I'm I'm still absolutely, absolutely buying TJ Hawkinson, and I'm loving the discount that I'm able to get on him at this point. Uh, you, you did a great job of illustrating it, Rich, but I, I can't emphasize this point enough that these rookie tight ends, they just don't produce. Like Literally, the only one that I can think of since Gronk was Evan Ingram. That's literally the only one that I can think of producing. Wide receivers, we can name tons of rookies just from last year's class. Running backs, every year, uh, we had seven or eight straight seasons up until last year of a rookie running back being an RB1, and we had two guys that just missed it in Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders this past year. So like, we see this all the time out of other positions where they produce in year one. We almost never see it out of the tight end position. It is super rare. So give me an extra year on all of these rookie tight ends, which this class overall is not not, not the banner class that the year before was. But give me that extra year in the system, uh, and especially in the climate that we have now. For somebody where really nothing is changing, uh, most of the pieces, uh, the ones that matter to him are staying the same. I think that's that's a recipe for success. I, I think he takes a, a good step up this year, and then by year three, I don't think he's going to be that far from you know what we saw out of guys like Austin Hooper, Darren Waller. Like he's going to be in that range sooner rather than later. It is still a very young prospect as well, and the get a, get the like Garrett said to get that one year leap where somebody else already sat him as rookie year. Don't be afraid to give up some draft capital here for him. Don't give up. Don't be afraid to give up one of these rookies here. I mean, right now, in how deep this draft class is, and how like enamored people are with these players, you might be able to get T.J. Hawkinson for two one, two two, two three, and that might be a possibility right now to grab an elite tight end for somebody that could take that big step forward, and we could be looking at as a top five dynasty tight end going forward, starting as soon as twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. And again, that's the kind of difference maker that can make you a dynasty fantasy football champion to give you that edge over your opponent that they don't have. And that depth, even if you have a tight end, if you just have one tight end and you have George Kittle and nobody else, this is the perfect guy you want to get. Somebody who you can sit on for the next year or two to really develop. So two years down the road where your 28-year-old, 26-year-old tight end is now 29, you have, you're ready to take that another step forward. So it's thinking ahead in dynasty, you know? Making sure you have that 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 plan for when you're ready to move on from another player, you're grooming some players behind them. T.J. Hawkinson is probably at the top of that level when it comes to his position. I'm a big fan of his game. Was a huge, massive fan of his game last year, and nothing has got me off that train. Matt, give me another sophomore guy that you like for the 2020 season. All right, so my next guy is uh, Nikhil Harry, and I took him for the sole purpose that I knew that Rich could would only call him Kaneel Harry. <laughs> so I, <laughs> um, but obviously maybe. this is this is a guy um, <laughs> maybe this is a guy that last year um, missed a, a big chunk of the season last year um, due to preseason injuries and never really got on the same page with Tom Brady when he did get back. And I think if you if you dig it into that a little bit, I think it's you know obviously Tom Brady knows exactly where all these guys are supposed to be, um, and if and if you're not going to be separating and, and being in your mark, you're just not going to get passes thrown to you. So um, if you if you look if you look at some of the stats on on Nikhil Harry, you know he was last among all of New England's um, Patriot wide receivers last year in in separation yards at only two point two yards of separation. Um, per route there. So, uh, it was something that he, he, he decided it was a big enough issue that he, that he went out this off season and he's working with a footwork specialist basically in order to get his, get his, get himself right and get it and get himself some good separation going forward on his routes. And, and that was the big thing that I saw from the guy when I watched his college tape. And the one thing that bugged me was his ability to get off the line and get in on a breaks. Just, it, there was, there was no, there was too many false steps, and, and he was pitter pattering his feet too much, and he wasn't exploding like like you knew that he could, because there, there was moments on the field where he's a very explosive player. He goes up and gets the ball, so you know he can do it. He just needs to refine his route running, and and if you couple, you know, obviously he he came back at the end of last year and started producing some, so you got to see a little bit of it. 
But, uh, you know, the one thing, if you're not starting, you're probably running with the second team a little bit more. And, and guess who the second team quarterback was last year? Jared Stidham. And now this, this guy is the, the, the first team guy. So I think they're going to have a little bit more chemistry uh, just due, due to that kind of practice schedule that they had last year. And the fact that uh, Nikhil Harry was able to work with a footwork, uh, footwork specialist in this offseason to, to refine his route running, I, you know, this is a guy that is ultra talented. He just needed to clean up some things, and it sounds like he's doing the stuff, the offseason work, in order to clean up the things that were his deficiencies. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot to go on if you're digging into his actual stats because he only had 12 receptions, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. But what I'm going to fall back on is what I saw on his college tape, and 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 he's cleaning up the, the things that I didn't like, and all the rest of it was gravy. You know what I mean? All the rest of it was really, really good. He's explosive. He, he's he's able to go up and get the ball. He he offers a huge target at six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds. And I didn't even mention the fact that you know this was their first round draft pick last year. So that they they have a lot. New England has a lot invested in them in him as well. So they're gonna they're gonna try to get him the ball. Obviously the. The, the only other guy on the, the team, you know, from a wide receiver standpoint that's established is Julian Edelman, and he's like 38 or 39 or 40 or something. Like, he's, he's super old, you know what I mean? So, I think he's only um, 34, but still, for a receiver, he <laughs> might as well be that old. That was for effect. I know he's not actually <laughs> 40, but... <laughs> But you know, Nikhil Harry's a a a twenty two year old prospect that um, is going to take a big step forward, I think, in his second year yeah, in New. I like him working with Dwayne Allen's brother on his footwork. Man, I agree with you one hundred percent. That was really good. Figuring out what he really needed to work on and using this off season to go work on it. I mean, look at Arizona State coming out back to back years with first round receivers in Brandon Ayuk and then previously Keen Allen and again, I mean, Brandon Ayuk went in the first round and he's somebody where when they were teammates. Brandon Ayuk had 33 catches for 474 yards and three touchdowns. Harry had 73 catches for 1,088 yards and nine touchdowns. Harry was my number one receiver last year coming out of Arizona State. He's something that broke out as a true freshman there. Led the team in receptions, touchdowns. Uh, I think his breakout age was right like 18.7, which is, you know, for all you breakout age pundits, is absolutely massive. And look what the team did this offseason. They're on the clock and could have consistent. They could have taken Brandon Ayuk. They could have taken tons of talented receivers and they passed on them over and over and over again. And this is also something that Bill Belichick commented on. They asked him, like, hey, why didn't you take a receiver? Why didn't you take a guy? And he said, quote, we'll see about how all that goes. He's like, I'm sure all our young players will improve in year two. We have a first-round pick in Nikhil Harry. They have a second-round pick in Mohamed Sanu. And he's very confident in the receivers that he has. And in such a deep draft class, him not going that route means that he is confident in a guy like Nikhil Harry. And this is somebody, too, that maybe it wasn't just his fault. I mean, I'm a big Howard Stern fan, and Tom Brady was recently on Howard Stern, and he specifically said that he told Bill Belichick that, hey, if you put him out there, I'm not going to throw him the football. He said that the, he said that to Bill Belichick on Howard Stern, hmm. that I'm not going to throw him the football. He's just not ready. He's, he's not ready yet, and I'm not putting, throwing the ball to guys I don't trust. So even though he was out there, he didn't just have the opportunity because Bill Belichick or Tom Brady wasn't going to throw him the football. He already has, like you said, Matt, a report with Jared Stidham, which helps him. This is extremely good value right now in dynasty fantasy football a six foot four 225 pound receiver who runs a four five three who's only 22 years old that you can get on the cheap that has first round draft capital and again kind of like that terry mcclurin doesn't have a lot around him does not have a lot around him all yes julian edelman is a solid receiver but like matt said he's ready for the glue factory you got muhammad sanu muhammad sanu hasn't been good since I don't know, since he came out in college, out of Rutgers. I mean, when has Muhammad Sue ever been <laughs> dynasty or fantasy football relevant? So for me, this is a guy, again, who was banged up last year. He didn't play. I mean, he missed. I mean, how many games did he miss, Matt? Seven uh, of the games? I think not nine. 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 His first nine oh. games. Yeah, he didn't, come in, he didn't come back until after his 
week 10. And he really only played six because he only played two snaps versus the Chiefs in week 14. He left with a hip injury. So he only really played in six games, not even really seven, honestly, because he only played those two snaps. So for me, I'm with you, Matt. I think Nikhil Harry is an absolutely fantastic buy in Dynasty Fantasy Football. I I agree with everything you guys said. I do think on the surface he's a buy. My only concern is I think this one of most compared to most of the guys we're going to talk about, I feel like the the hype hasn't died down that much. I think most people are still relatively high on Nikhil Harry, and so for me, it's kind of like what um, uh, what Matt was saying about Terry McLaurin. Would I be willing to pay the price? Because I think everything you guys said is true, and I uh, the player itself, I'm willing to buy. I'm just not quite sure what the sticker price is going to be, and that's what makes me a tiny bit nervous. That's fair. You're going to get some owners that are out and some owners that, that, again, they took them way too high last year. That's the, that's the problem. Some people just last year took them top four and they're not ready to move on. And that's always the hardest player to get when you took somebody that high. When you take a guy seven, eight, ninth in the first round, six, then they're much more easier to acquire than a guy you took at their number one overall in a position. You're better off getting something where, you know, Nikhil Harry kind of slipped a little bit in somebody's draft. Yep. So yeah, I agree. Garrett, before we get to your guy, I want to uh, take a moment here to talk about one of my favorite sponsors in the world. And that is manscaped.com guys, fellas got some good news, new product today, new manscaped what? product alert. Manscaped just released the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of the note out of those nose uh, holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean shaven pubes. That's right, Manscaped has a new thing. You know, when you're down there bonsaiing that bush to get looking good for the summer, nothing's worse than having that nose hair sticking out. Nothing drives me crazy, guys. When I'm talking to somebody and they got like this giant nose hair or bush, it's like, <laughs> That's dude, the worst. Dude, did you just or Bush? Yeah, dude, did like you snort up Rapunzel? Like, is that what's going on up in there? I mean, Jesus, Louise, I have a hard time concentrating and having a good conversation with you because I'm learning why. How how are you when you're brushing your teeth, not seeing this gigantic upside down bush coming out of your nose? And right now, you can take care of that with the weed whacker. And right now, you can also get a really sweet discount using a promo code NERDS. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker is something that is very enhanced. This is the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts up for 90 minutes of use. Guys, have you ever pulled out your nose hair out with your fingers? (laughs) That might hurt worse than actually nicking your balls. Oh, painful 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 so also they'll take care of you you'll get a replaceable blade head every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable look fellas 79 percent of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is just a major turn off you gotta trim it up you gotta look good down low is just as important as up high. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NERDS at manscaped.com. Man, thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and the hairs in our holes looking nice. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NERDS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code NERDS. What are you waiting for? Go whack those weeds. Garrett? Go take care of them, man. Yo, it's so important. Again, nothing's nothing's worse, man, than seeing somebody out there and they got this Rapunzel up in their nose and it's just dangling down through there. It's like, I wish I could just karate chop that stuff right off there. Unless you have a big mustache there's, and it blends right in. There's usually like a little booger attached to it, too. So you don't want any of that, man. Just just take care of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not ropes coming down. There. Yeah. Unless you're Tom Selleck, then it's okay. That's it. Literally it. Garrett, give me a, give me a sophomore step up here. For you. All right. So I went from uh, arguably the most impressive player on this list to the guy that was the least impressive last season. Uh, But I'm going to stay on brand. And I am still buying JJ Arcega Whiteside. Or Arcega. I don't know. I've been told that's how it's pronounced. I'm still saying Arcega. I don't even care. He hasn't earned Arcega yet. But um, at this point, 
he's very, very inexpensive. And rightfully so. He did not do well in 2019. He had that great preseason that everyone saw the route running, the catching ability, that big game at the very end where he had 130-some yards and a touchdown. And everybody's loving life. I'm feeling like king of the world. And then... Then I came crashing back down to earth as the regular season started. But a couple things to consider here. One, they talked about how they had moved him all over the place, uh, exposing him to each one of the of the positions. So the slot position, the Z, and the X position. So he was all over the place learning all of these different formations, uh, which is really, really difficult to do as a rookie. The, the other things that have me still very much so intrigued is, one, Alshon Jeffrey is the guy ahead of him. It came out today uh, or yesterday recently that there is not a lot of optimism that he will even be ready for the start of the season. That that foot injury that he had is still, still not looking very good. The timetable would put him right up to about week one, which means he wouldn't be getting any preseason, he wouldn't be getting any of that stuff. And really, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is the only one that really plays that true X the same as he does. So I think there's a very good chance that maybe even as early as week one, he's at least in the starting lineup. And all of the other receivers that are the big names, Deshaun Jackson, he's banged up all the time. They, they acquired uh, Marquise Goodwin from the San Francisco 49ers. He's banged up all the time. So there's not a lot of health there. I think he's going to have the opportunity to get in there. And I think after having to learn all of that, having a full offseason to grow, develop, you, we could see uh, him really surge back into being that round two draft pick, uh, being worthy of that round two draft pick that they used on him last season. The last point about all of this that I want to make is everybody's like, well, they acquired a bunch of wide receivers in the offseason. you got to be concerned. Let's look at the wide receivers they acquired. Marquise Goodwin, speed guy. Jalen Rager, speed guy. The two guys they took in the draft, John Hightower, speed guy. Quez Watkins, speed guy. They wanted to get faster. They did get faster, but none of them are the box out, big bodied, physical receiver that J.J. Arcega Whiteside is. If anything, this just only confirmed for me that they still believe that he could be a player for this team. Now, He's got to produce something this year. There's not as big of a window for wide receivers as there is for tight ends. By year two, if he hasn't done anything, he's probably done and they're looking for his replacement. But I still believe in what I saw as a college player and what I saw in the preseason to believe that the issue was more between the ears and he wasn't getting the targets that, that he needed to get into a rhythm. I think we'll see that change in 2020. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely has a ton of upside and potential there. But like like you mentioned, they brought in a lot of guys. So he's going to have to clear a lot of hurdles in order for him to get like consistent playing time. I, I don't see I don't see um, Alshon Jeffrey as one of those big hurdles because, I mean, uh, you know, the last time that guy played a full season, I, I mean, I, I can't even remember. 2013, so, I believe. Yeah. Oh geez, yeah. So I mean, like, so he's going to be a very temporary stopgap of a of a, of a road bump there for JJ Osego Whiteside. Even if he does, even if he does like pull out a, a miracle and he's ready for the beginning of the season. Uh, so Osego uh, Whiteside, he's going to have to have an impressive off season and work his way past some of those guys on the depth chart that they've brought in recently. Um, you know, Marquis, I mean, obviously you said that they, they don't play the same sort of position. So I think our Sega white is going to have an opportunity to showcase, especially in the red zone and, and, and stuff like that, um, that he's capable of, of doing things that those guys can't, but there, there, it's just it, the muddy, the water's got, more muddy, I think, in, in this offseason uh, for that whole wide receiver core. So I'm not exactly sure, you know, what their plan is uh, there in Philadelphia. But I, I know they like the two tight ends. Obviously, they, they brought in um, the rookie wide receiver. Um, Jalen Rhaegar. God, I can't. Thank you, Jalen Rhaegar. And he's going to have some sort of role. Um, beyond that, I think I think these guys are all going to have to fight for, for the rest of it and fight for their spot. I think J.J. Ar Arcega-Whiteside definitely has the skills to do it. 
Um, and obviously, you know, last year he he played most of the year a little dinged up, so he you you weren't seeing him at his best. And I think that provides a nice little buy opportunity here for for JJ. All right, guys, with these last couple minutes here, let's just each go through a guy real quick and kind of say why we like this sophomore here, and just kind of give the audience here a name, why we like him, why to pick him up. No much for rebuttal. We're here, we're up against it now with about five minutes left of the show. So I'll go first. Jay Sternberger for the Green Bay Packers, tight end. This was a team that did not draft a playmaker for Aaron Rodgers. Everybody was up in arms about it. All they did was bring in a running back in A.J. Dillon. And for me, that speaks more volumes about Jamal Williams than it really does Aaron Jones. And I think this tells us that they really want to establish a run game. And like we've said this multiple times today and over the past, that a lot of teams are going to 12 personnel. This could be true for the Green Bay Packers as well. Run the ball, use Devontae Adams, use Alan Lazard, but then also use Sternberger, another guy who was hurt all last year. He missed the first eight weeks of the season. Only then after that, he really came back. He wasn't even targeted. So he didn't. I think he played barely more than, not more than like 20% of the snaps. And for me, this he came in, played in the playoffs, had his, his first really game of anything there in the uh, NFC Championship game where he actually had a touchdown, three receptions, looked good. This was a guy who was a big receiver, essentially, was never a tight end in the first place. So the team not addressing the wide receiver position all, which shocked us, which shocked the NFL, says a lot about what they're going to use the weapons they have on the team because they don't have much choice. And Sternberger, again, looks like that kind of player that as a tight end didn't come in and produce right away, but could come in a second year and start putting up some numbers. If we can get that 500 to 600 yards out of Sternberger this year, it'll really bode well for him going to 2021. I think he could be bought right now. I think he's a very solid tight end as a big five. You know, big receiver out there for Green Bay. Anytime I have Aaron Rodgers, we still have always been looking for that established number two receiver on the team. You know, one minute it's Marquez Valdez Scantlin, then it's Alan Lazard. It's, it, it, I mean, it goes on and on and on with this list. Somebody's got to be the number two to Devontae Adams, and why not Jay Sternberger? All right. Um, I'm going to call out a guy. Um, uh, Drew Sample, tight end from Cincinnati. Uh, you know, obviously doesn't have a ton of production. Um, last year, you know, he only had 30 receiving yards on on five receptions. But this is a guy that they used a second-round draft pick on and, and 52nd overall coming out of Washington. Um, and, and and the fact that there, there just really is not another tight end there that's done anything of note. I mean, there's C.J. Uzama, um, if that's how you pronounce his name, um, who's who's still there on the depth chart. But everyone else there is, has been cleared out in the past you know, couple of years. Tyler Croft um, left in free agency before the 2019 season. And then um, the other Tyler left left this, this offseason. Um, so he's really the last guy standing and, and has the best draft capital. So, you know, just on opportunity alone, I think Drew Sample is at least a, a noteworthy guy to throw in, throw here, throw in here at the end. Yeah. The last one for me, uh, it's another, another one of the bigger name guys. Uh, but I think, uh, everything that could have gone wrong last year did go wrong for this player. And that's David Montgomery. Uh, I know a lot of people are very frustrated with him. I understand why. But there's a few things. One, how many players are going to be able to get the workload uh, that he was able to get? Two, part of the struggle was how poorly Mitch Trubisky played this year. So one of two things are going to have to happen. Either Mitch Trubisky plays much better, which obviously will help uh, loosen things up for David Montgomery, or he gets replaced by Nick Foles, and hopefully that will be uh, a much better recipe for Matt Nagy's offense. But the third thing, Kyle Yates recently wrote an article, and it was uh, I was reading through it, and one thing that stuck out to me, in 2018, when the offense was going really, really well, there was a pretty close to a 50-50 split uh, between the the running game and the passing game. I think it was 48-52, but it was really, really close to like a 50-50 split passing game, running game. This past year, 41% uh, running. So I think they get closer. I'm not saying that they're going to be up at 50%, but I think the the amount of times that they run the football will, will go up this year, which will only mean more opportunities for David Montgomery. Nice. Yeah. 
I agree. I, I like that take. And there's a couple guys, obviously, we didn't mention. Uh, Kelvin Harmon, who we talked about, the, the Washington Redskins. Hakeem Butler, I still like for the Arizona Cardinals. So look back. It never hurts to look back at your rookie draft last year. Look at this, who was drafted, some draft capital players, and test the waters. You know what I mean? See what you can do to get these guys now. It's always good to be a year ahead. Maybe some of these guys who are first-round picks you can get for 20, 21 seconds. Or maybe there's a guy you love enough that you can get for a 2021 first. It never hurts to buy these guys when they're down just a little bit. And they're always going to be down the most in the following summer. Everybody else love the 2020 rookies, which I love too, but never forget about the previous year's class. So that's it, fellas. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with some – oh, I know we got the show topics on here. I think what are we what are we doing next week, guys? You remember on the top of your head? Uh, I think third year third, breakouts that's and it. then third year breakouts and then the nerd herd episodes. We're gonna do veteran players to buy now for the win, which is always great. On our next episode coming up next for the nerd herd members, we're gonna do what a vet, what vets were affected by the rookie draft picks of 2020 and how they look for the 2020 season. So look forward to that. Everybody has a chance to join the nerd herd for the price of a cup of coffee. Get in there, join the nerd herd. You get the bonus podcast. You get access to all the tools like the buy sell tool. You get the nerd score. You get dynasty nerd film room to watch all these rookie film. We already have 2021 rookies on there. And of course you get all our exclusive rookie rankings by us and the rest of our staff and writers. So check it out. Leave us a rating review on iTunes if you're interested. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out the Dynasty Nerds Facebook page. Until then, Nerd Herd, we'll be back next week. Adios. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're stuck. <laughs> I'm sure it was what, like 84, 85 today? Uh, you're going to need a shower by the time we're done tonight. Um, all right, so for this show, I have a pretty big list of players that were either affected positively um, or negatively by the draft. Do you guys want that list? And then we can kind of go through some guys, or do you guys already have some players that you specifically want to talk about that you think were positively or negatively affected? Okay. What? Can you hear us? Uh-oh.